Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 11 of 35 Minutes with Gabe Malika. We have just really ignored the title of this podcast. It, these are no longer 35 minutes, but I like being at the top of your feed because this is another long one, but it's a long one, but a good one. Uh, today's episode is with Chris Regan. He's a touring musician, a forest ranger, a high school classmate. Um, it was really nice to catch up. He's such a sweet boy and so thoughtful and has lived such an interesting life. And when you're growing up, there's a lot of pressure to do things a certain type of way where you go to college for four years and then you get a job in the workforce. And Chris is somebody that I think epitomizes that you don't have to do things the way everybody else does to have a meaningful life. And that if school is going to be a thing that's important to you, you can always go back to school. Um, always, always, always. And he did just that. And he's gotten to live the life he wants to live. And he still gets to um, as a touring musician. He's somebody that, you know, I was two years older than in school. Um, but he's definitely something, somebody that I admire. Uh, I admired then, uh, even as an upperclassman. And he's somebody that I admire now. And it was really cool to reconnect and trade stories. And um, he was just the best. Um, so I really hope you enjoy this episode. Um, and we'll be real quick. Here's, an, here's this week's ad. I like this one. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Eli Whitney's The Cotton Gin. The Cotton Gin. Cotton engineered for you. The Cotton Gin is a machine that quickly and easily separates cotton fibers from their seeds, enabling much greater productivity than manual cotton separation. The fibers are then processed into various cotton goods, while any undamaged cotton is used largely for textiles like clothing. Eli Whitney's cotton gin used a combination of wire, screen, and small wire hooks to pull the cotton through, while brushes continuously removed loose cotton lint to prevent jams. It revolutionized the cotton industry in the United States and also led to growth in slavery in the American South as the demand for cotton harvesting rapidly increased. The invention has thus been identified as the inadvertent contributing factor to the outbreak of the American Civil War. Wow. Arguably, um, the most important um, invention in American history, you might say, um, because it led to the Civil War. So thanks for um, sending that in. It made me think about um, our troubled history in America and trying to get better in every way all the time. So that's for Eli Whitney's The Cotton Gin. Uh, this episode is really great. I hope everybody enjoys it. Uh, I'll try to be quick with the intro. And uh, here's the podcast. Look at that. I did it. Chris Regan, everybody. What's up? Hey, buddy. How's it going? Great. How are you? I'm good. It's nice to uh, it's nice to see your smiling face. Where are you right now? You too, man. I'm in Long Beach. Hell yeah. Is that where you're living? Yeah, me and my girlfriend Alyssa live down here. Nice. Very cool. How long have you been there? uh probably she's been here a few years i moved here like basically when the pandemic started um okay yeah so it wasn't really like planned but uh mm -hmm. school got shut down and all of my family are like uh hospital employees so she was That's like i right. don't really want to be in this apartment for an unknown period of time alone and i was like well i don't want to be in a house where like people are coming and going from hospitals every day so it kind of worked out yeah, I remember when I got sick my senior year of high school, I had like a appendix issue and your mom stopped by. She's like, oh, yeah, I run this place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you were away at school, right? Yeah, I just got back uh, last Monday. 
So, so I want to go through this. So when we, last time I saw you, basically like we were in the play Greece, I'm two years older than you. I went away to college. And then you just like kept doing Regan things. And I'd hear, you know, oh, Regan's doing this, Regan's doing that. And none of it ever surprised me because you were always like doing fun things. Um, but so maybe we'll start with where you are now and then we'll go backwards. So you just went back to school. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, I guess, what was it? I don't know what year it is anymore, man. I can't like keep track. <laughs> I, I'm never good about like keeping up with time and the pandemic totally threw off my whole like sense of time. Absolutely. Um, so I guess it was last, this had to be two falls. Like, no, it was shit. It was lot two falls ago, whatever year that okay. was. Um, I had like one tour lined up and like kind of had a more easygoing schedule than I'm used to. And my sister had just moved to Syracuse cause she started going to upstate medical school. Oh, um, cool. And it's basically upstate is on like Syracuse university's campus. And then on that campus is also this school called SUNY ESF, um, which yeah. is like this small environmental college. And my sister knew that I had like kind of toyed with the idea of going back to school for a long time and that I wanted to do something in the environmental field. And, um, she basically like went into their admissions office one day and was like, Hey, my brother wants to do something like this. Like, can I have someone like email him and give him some more information about the school? She had no, I had no idea she was doing this, of course. So she calls me. Yeah. She calls me one day and she's like, Hey, uh, there's this like cool environmental college here. Um, and they have like a ranger school up in the Adirondacks. Uh, it's like a second year degree program. So you would have to have like these 20 or so prereq credits to go there. And uh, I think it would be great for you. It sounds like right up your alley. She was like, but I talked to the woman and she said that you have to get those 20 credits at like, you can do it at another school. They do this thing called like the one-on-one program. Uh You can get those 20 credits anywhere. She was like, so you could go and get these credits at like NASA if you want while you're home. Uh, But she was like, only thing is uh, enrollment at NASA closes in two days. So like, if you (laughs) want to do this now, you have to like make this choice in the next 48 hours or like wait a year. Um, so like I had been toying with the idea of going back to school for a long time, but I was just touring so much that it like never really worked out. Yeah. Uh, so this was the first time in a long time where I was like, okay, I do have like one month long tour planned in the fall. Um, but like maybe now's a good time to just like, like maybe if I don't do it now, I'll probably never do it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like enrolled in classes at NASA the next morning and was like, I guess I'm doing this. Um, Wow. So it wasn't really planned. And then just out of like sheer luck and I don't like, I don't want to like glorify the pandemic or anything. It was obviously like the worst <laughs> thing to happen yes. for a lot of people, but yeah, I was in school, like thinking like, Oh, I'm going to miss out on like two years of touring. Like the next two years I'll be in school, which is really unusual for me. And I was like bummed about it. And yeah. then come like January, February, every tour got canceled overnight basically. Yeah. And I was like, thank God that I like, chose to go back to school because otherwise I would have no work and like nothing to do. Like a lot of people had, you know? Yeah. So I had just luckily been able to like be in school, got all those credits in time to like basically get my degree in this window of time when touring didn't exist anyway. Whoa. So it really ended up working out very well in my favor. Um, yeah, but yeah, so yeah, then I went back. So I got those 20 credits and then I went to the ranger school up in the Adirondacks and that's where I've been for the last like seven or eight months. Very cool. Okay. So I want to backtrack a few things. So, so many of the, so many things about this is interesting. So one is that you were always like this kid that was just like 
one, you were like my favorite type of kid where you were just like, you were good in any group. You're like, you put me in a musical, like, yeah, I'll make friends with these guys. You put me like, you took me to a show at the ethical, um, what was it? Um, ethical humanist society. Yeah. You took yeah. me to shows there, like in the basement, um, which like, I still like know that video and like know that music and like means last me. So I love that. Like you were always a kid that was like very adaptable. Um, but you were also like doing your own thing. You were like, like you went to college for a little bit, like at 18 or whatever. And you were just like, I want to tour. Is that like the thing that. Yeah. I guess like so you? during high school, I was like playing in a couple bands and, um, doing like, like pop punk, right? Yeah. Like pop punk bands and like ska bands. And, um, yeah. and I just like, I was touring a little bit and like doing weekenders or like week long tours over like Thanksgiving breaks and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't really dove into the world of doing it full time. Yeah. Um, so right when I graduated, I went on like a month long tour, I think. Um, I did like a full U.S. working for a band, like I think selling merch or something. Uh, And then I went back to school like in the fall. I think I went to purchase Mm -hmm. um, and Bobby and I were roommates. And did you ever meet Teddy? Teddy was a rock to rock kid. I don't know if you ever met him. What was his last name? Teddy Saar. I think if I saw his face, I'd recognize him. He's but. a drummer. He lives in Rockville Center. Um, okay. But so cool. I had known Teddy for years and like Teddy actually played drums uh, in a band that Bobby and I had in high school. So like we all knew each other really well and we ended up being roommates at Purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went there for one semester. Uh, I went for audio engineering just because I was like, I don't know what to go to college for and I like music. So I guess this is like what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. And I was, I was terrible at it. I like didn't have a clue <laughs> and all the kids that were there were already like so far ahead actually to like compound that when I first got to purchase, they had enrolled me in the wrong major. Um, oh, no. So I was accidentally an arts history major for like a month and a half. <laughs> So, and it's like that they have this archaic system where if you want to switch majors, you have to go to every one of your professors whose classes you're accidentally in and have them like sign a form that agrees to release you from their course. And then you have to go find every professor in the courses you want to take and be like, Hey, I really want to take your class, even though I haven't been in it for the first six weeks of the semester is it cool? Can you sign this paper saying like that I can come in? Yeah. So I spent like, a lot of my first month of college chasing people down and like asking them to either let me not take their class anymore or take their class late. And like yeah. a lot of them were super cool about it. But then, like I said, like by the time I got into the classes that I thought I wanted to be taking, I was so behind the ball that I was like, well, this sucks. Like, yeah, so my first Especially compared there, to like touring life, it's like touring life. Like you're free. You're an adult. You're like running around the country. Well, yeah, I hadn't exactly gotten like that full taste of the touring world yet. So I didn't really have that mm. to compare it to. Um, but so me and Bobby were roommates together. We were writing a record for the band we were in at the time. And like every weekend we were driving home to Long Island to record and then like coming back for class on Monday. So I wasn't really like ingrained in the community at the school that much. Yeah. And I didn't have like any other friends really from my classes because the people that I met when I first got there were no longer in the classes I was taking. And the people Mm -hmm. that were in the classes I was taking were like already kind of had their groups formed. So it was kind of like I had, um, the reason I chose to go to purchase mainly was because I had like a group of friends who were two or three years older that had gone there and were still going there, but they were all seniors. Um, and like when I was in high school, purchase had a bunch of shows that they would throw in their student center. And so mm-hmm. like every couple of weeks, like friends of mine would drive up there and we would go see shows at Purchase. And in yeah. my mind, the stood, it, like, right? it was at the Stude, yeah. Yeah, my sister went to Purchase, so I've oh, been yeah. there a few times. Yeah. yeah, I saw Kay there a bunch. Yeah. And so 
I was like, oh, this like, you know, 17 year old me was like this, this college has shows not knowing (laughs) that like every college has shows, of course. But I was like, oh, that's so cool. Not only do they have shows, but like the bands that I like are playing there. So if I go to school Mm -hmm. there, I'll just get to like see bands I like all the time. And that was really like the basis of my college decision where it's like so many people stress over like whatever, you know, sports in there. I was like, oh, I can go see shows while I'm at school. Sure. I'm in like, and Bobby was going there already. So I was just like, cool, we'll go together. Um, But yeah, so after the first semester, I like basically spent half the time, like not really going to the classes because I was like, so out of it by the time that I was involved in them. And then just kind of like hanging out with the older friends that I had who were like kind of getting ready to graduate and making their exit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was kind of a blurry semester. Um, I and imagine so. I came home. Uh, I just decided that I was going to go to Nassau like for a semester while I kind of figured things out. And just like, I was like, I can live at home, save up some money, like have a job, whatever. Uh, and then halfway through that semester at Nassau, I got an offer to go, uh, to Europe on like a tour over there. So I was like, Hmm, Nassau community college, <laughs> go to Europe for like a month and a half with like a bunch of my friends. I was like, I can always come back. And I remember I yeah. said to the director of like my program there, I was like, Hey, like I got to defer, like I'm going to leave and go do this thing. I was like, but I'm going to come back. He was like, no, you're not. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He was like, they always say they're going to come back and they never come back. And <laughs> For like eight years, I always thought about that. I was like, damn, he was right. I didn't go back. Like, um, but yeah, so then I just kind of like dove into touring pretty much like full time after that. Yeah. So like at this point in your life, like that offer to go to Europe, is that to like be a roadie and to like yeah, sell stuff so, and just like hang out? So I had done, like I said, like a couple tours here and there at that point. Um, and some friends of mine were in a band from Baltimore and they were going to Europe like support as a support artist on this uh you remember the band the wonder years i feel like mm-hmm. i probably showed you them a million times that was like yeah. all i talked about in high school yeah um they were opening for the wonder years on this like tour in europe so i was mm-hmm. like they wanted me to come and sell merch so i was like yeah. cool i'll do that so we get to europe and it turns out that the guy that they had hired as their driver for the tour um he was like oh this is my buddy he comes along with me on every tour that I do. Like whenever I work a tour for a band as their driver, he just likes to like come along and hang out and like get drunk and, you know, be around. Um, He was like, he doesn't really like the music or care about this kind of music at all. Uh, He just, he'll like basically just sell merch and hang out for free. You don't have to pay him. Like he's just along for the ride. And they were like, sure. Okay. Whatever. It's kind of weird, but like, doesn't really bother us. So suddenly there was this guy there who was like down to just sell merch for free. And they were like, well, Chris, you're already here. Like you already flew over and uh, we're not going to like send you home because this random guy's here. But they were like, do you want to just hang out and like kind of maybe guitar tech for us? Like we aren't that big of a band that we need a guitar tech, but like we know that you know enough about instruments to do that. Um, I was like, sure. So I was, they were paying me now to kind of guitar tech, but mostly just like be their friend and hang out in Europe for a month. And I was like, this is great. Yeah. Hell yeah. And then the wonder years kind of like caught wind of the fact that I was just hanging out on the tour now. Cause I had like not a lot to do. Uh, and they were like, Hey, our tour manager is actually also selling merch for us. And they're selling like however many thousands of items a night. So that guy's like doing double duty and it's two big jobs. So yeah. he's managing this international tour and selling merch. And they were like, do you want to sell merch for us so that he can focus on tour managing? We'll like pay you and you can like keep your tips and whatever. 
So I was like, yeah, I'm down. So now I'm getting paid by two different bands to basically do like one job. Um, <laughs> so, and then after and, that, and this band is like your favorite band. Yeah. At the time, this was like my favorite band. That's crazy. So I was just like excited to go over and get to like watch them play every night. And then they were like, Hey, do you actually want to like just work for us? Cause we could use the help. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I started selling merch for them and then came back to the States, did like a couple other tours. Um, I had joined, I think around like 2013, uh, I had joined another band from Long Island called Giants at Large. Um, yeah, I remember that. Matt something, right? Yeah, Matt Lagatuda. He was a singer. Yeah. And then, uh, so I saw him, he, I, he played the show that you brought me to and he was great. I was like, oh, this yes. guy's like really so insanely talented. I want to go back to that because I yeah. didn't know him then. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. But so, so yeah, I was playing in Giants at Large at the time and they were like, you know, touring pretty heavily for a, you know, smaller size band. Yeah. Um, so I was doing stuff like that and then kept at that point, the wonder years kind of like kept asking me to come work for them in the States. Um, so yeah, I was kind of bouncing back and forth with that. And then, uh, at a certain point, who was it? Oh, so this is why that show that I brought you to is so funny. Yeah. That show was an acoustic show in the basement of ethical, which was like, I think one of the few times they had a show down there. Yeah. Um, and so it was valet parking was the name of the band. Mm-hmm, and that was, mm-hmm. that was Matt and CJ, who was the drummer of Giants at Large. They played in that band, Valley Parking, together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Valley Parking opening, and then it was Balance and Composure, Man Overboard, and A Loss for Words. Yes. And yes. so it's funny, because like years later, all three of those other bands ended up being like huge bands. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember, but there was like six people at that show, and it was like mainly, yeah. I think it was like you, and I think I forced Gina to come, and like... Maybe was, Convoy, somebody, yeah. something like that. Yeah, There was like less than 10 people there. And now like that would be unheard of. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so Maddie, the singer of Lost for Words, I had known him for like a, a long time. And he hit me up randomly one day and was like, yo, are you doing anything right now? I was like, no, actually, I kind of just like dropped out of school and I'm looking for tours. Yeah. And he was like, cool. Do you want to sell merch for Four Year Strong? And at that time, Four Year had been like on like a hiatus for three or four years. Um, mm-hmm. cause again, this was like a band that I grew up loving, but they kind of stopped touring for a while. And I was like, are they a band again? And he was like, well, yeah, like nobody really knows, but they're coming back. And this is going to be like their first tour back in a couple of years. So yeah. all their old crew had kind of like moved on and found full-time jobs or whatever. And, um, they were just kind of like trying to put together a team of people to, to work for them. And he was yeah. like, but for this first tour, it's just going to be you and them in a van. And it's them opening up for Bayside. It was like a, it's another I was like, huge band. Yeah, I was like, I love Bayside too. So like, this is great. Um, so you're like barely twenty, and you're going on tour with just like all your favorite bands from like being a kid. Yeah. At this point, that's insane. Yeah, and that like most people don't live that like most people are in like fucking chemistry. I know, <laughs> like, but so oddly <laughs> enough, and I don't know why, but like that kind of like streak has continued through my twenties somehow. <laughs> I think I know why. I think yeah. I know why. But you're so, a good hang. You do what you're supposed to do. <laughs> but so yeah, so I ended up doing that four year tour. Um I was doing merch for them and then I can't remember if it was the tour right after that. Uh but their guitar tech at the time was like he went to join another band. Mm-hmm. Um and he was like, hey I'm gonna be touring pretty full time with these guys. I don't know if I can like tech for you guys as often as you would need me. Uh so four years like hey Regan like we know you don't love selling merch. It's not like your dream to be a merch guy, but like, they were like, would you rather like take over as tech and we'll hire a new merch guy? Or do you want us to just hire a new tech and you can keep doing merch? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm down to tech. Like I'd much rather be the yeah. music side of things. So you're like uh, tuning guitars and stuff like that. And like making sure yeah. your amps are working. 
Yeah, basically, like when you get to the venue in the morning, you set up the back line, go through sound check. Um, sometimes, depending on the size of the venue, you have to break everything down so that mm-hmm. the opening bands can fit during this just show. And then, um, yeah, just like working on guitars all day, restringing stuff, making sure all the pedals are functioning. And mm-hmm. um, and then just like being there during the show to either do like guitar changes or make sure nothing like gets fucked up if someone like throws a beer on stage and then a pedal board gets soaking wet. Like, mm. Which I'm sure you've seen every yeah, there's a whole thing that can go wrong. List of seen, things. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so I tech for them for uh, a couple of years and then they were, they would go overseas pretty often. Um, and there was a couple tours where their bass player wasn't able to go overseas because he has like a woodworking business at home that like takes up a lot of his time. So he was like, I can't go to Europe for a month. Like, um, so I ended up going over and playing bass for them whenever they would go overseas. So I did that for a while and that was pretty You're interesting. Like the Prince of Fortune. You're like, oh, we got Dude. a merch guy. Regan moves up a level. I know. This guy it, it like, carves wood. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make it too, like, he makes this beautiful furniture. I don't want to make it sound like he's just like, sure, sure. He's like whittling houses, like for fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so definitely just like good fortune. Um, so I ended up going to Europe with them a few times and we did like South America and like oh all this wild stuff that I was just like, I don't know why I'm here doing this, but I am. And it's great. So, yeah. Um, and most people are like, most 20 year olds are like spending money to go abroad. And you've like found this system where you're like, oh yeah, I'm getting paid. I'm hanging out with these bands that I love. Like it makes yeah. college seem like pretty stupid. Well, that was like thing, at so, this angle. So my mom, who's like, you know, obviously a woman that has like however many PhDs and whatever she has, she's like, I can't believe you're not going to college. Like, what are you going to do with your life? And all of my course. other siblings are like, Hey, like, it seems like this is pretty sweet and like yeah. maybe let him ride this out for a while. Cause like he's getting to see the world and people are paying him to do it. And like, none of us have ever really gotten to do that. So like, let him, let him work with this for a while. And if like, when the time comes that it's not working out, then push the college thing or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, and then it's funny. So everything kind of like intertwines, um, we go over for this European tour and the first show we played uh, was this festival called Grows Rock. And mm-hmm. it's this like week long outdoor festival in Germany where there's like all these big sort of circus tents set up and stages inside of each one. Um, and again, if like, if I could have picked a place where I wouldn't have wanted to play my first show with a band, it would be like in front of however many thousands of people in Germany like at this big <laughs> festival, like not on our stage. Well, some of them are on our stage, but like other people that played the festival, like system of a down and rancid and like huge bands that I was like, you know, it was just not, it was a pretty intimidating first go at like playing these songs in front of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. My dog's like jumping up. I mean, I'm trying no, to get no, you're good. You're good. Um, but yeah, so we play that show and on the same stage, the way these festivals are set up is like behind the tents or whatever, there's all these little trailers, like production trailers. And those mm-hmm. are what they use as like the green rooms for everybody. So you go back there and they almost have like a little village of tents set up where there's like one tent that's a bar and one tent that's like a little like catering hangout and whatever. Um, so on our stage was a band from Long Island playing called The Movie Life. And I had grown up like my brother loved the movie life when he was growing up. So he kind of like turned me on to them. Uh, and they had broken up around like 2003 and had recently just gotten back together to do like this, you know, set of festival dates. Um, so they're over there, they played like a couple bands after us and I was like, sick, I get to like hang out and watch the movie. Like this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I had known Vinny, the singer for like a couple of years. So 
we ran into them and he was like, what are you guys doing tonight? And I was like, well, we're here for the next like three days at this festival. Cause the band was playing like our main set the first day, but then doing some other like little sets around the festival ground on like the day after or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, we're just like hanging out tonight uh, before we go to like London or whatever. And he was like, Oh cool. Like we actually have to drive to London in like an hour or we're playing there tomorrow night. And the festival gave us like a hundred drink tickets and like this, you know, air conditioned green room that we're not going to be using. And we were like, he was like, do you want them? Cause we have to leave. And like, I don't want to throw these in the garbage. And the four year guys, <laughs> the four year guys are all like for the most part, straight edge, or at least the members that were on that tour, not the ones that I was filling in for. Yeah. So myself and the drummer were like, cool. <laughs> we now have this like, you know, huge festival to go roam around with like endless free drinks for the next 12 hours. Yeah. So in the currency cool. of music festivals, you're like millionaires. Oh yeah. Like we kept going into the bar and the guy was like, I feel like you guys aren't like in the caliber of band where you should have this much availability to the alcohol that you're getting, but like never really said anything. Um, so, yeah, so I ran into Vinny and then like, you know, it was funny because then years later I would end up joining the movie life and playing guitar for them. And that's what I do now. That's crazy. So yeah. th- what year is this we're talking about? That festival was probably around 2015, maybe. Okay. Um, okay. And then I joined the movie life in 2017. So like in that in-between period, I was still working for four year a bunch um, and doing, I think giants at large was a band up until 2017. So I was like, I was kind of bouncing around between doing four year tours and then going home and doing giants at large and like no good news stuff with Bobby. And that's right. Um, that's right. And so, yeah, giants at large broke up in 2017. And then I remember it was the day, uh, four year was flying to, I think South America to do like a run of shows down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was up in Massachusetts at uh, Dan, the singer's house and Vinny called me while I was like out in his driveway. And I was like, yo, what's up? He's like, Hey man, what are you up to? I was like, you know, packing a bag about to go to wherever to like, <laughs> tomorrow morning and he was like cool i want to ask you a question and i was like what's up he was like would you have any interest in playing guitar for the movie life and i was like yeah i, I would that'd be sick like why yeah. what's going on he's like well we got back together to do like you know those couple festivals here and there but uh brandon the guitar player and Vinny were like yeah i think we want to like write a new record and you know go on like a you know serious full u.s tour and do it for real and kind of like bring the band back in a greater capacity and one of the other guitar players just like was like i don't i'm not interested in touring full-time like yeah you know haven't been in that world in like over 10 years so he was like we need a guy and they had been playing as like a four piece for a little bit and he was like we just don't love the way the four piece is sounding we'd really love to have the second guitar player back so so yeah joining the movie life and then like that's kind of been my full-time gig since then yeah, that's amazing. That I mean, like, it sounds to me, the only analogy I have is like, sort of like, it works somewhat similar way in comedy, where it's like, you meet these people. And then like, suddenly, like your friends are on the Tonight Show, or your friends yeah. are touring. Um, or like, oh, that guy I did a show with in a backyard, just like open for Trevor Noah in Madison Square Garden. You're like, what the hell? Like, we were exactly. just like in the back of a bar. Um, and and you have the advantage of there's not many 16 year old comedians. And if there are like, they usually suck, but like with music, like you can be like a scene kid and just like be around these bands. Like you were in high, we were in high school and you were having like bands like sleep over at your house and shit, like on tours. Yeah. I mean, so that was lucky too. It was like that ethical venue actually became like kind of a, 
a main stay for like local shows to happen, like bigger local shows. And like, mm-hmm. it was around the corner from our high school. And then I lived like, you know, half a mile from there. And yeah. my mom, like, you know, we had like this nice house with where none of my siblings were living anymore. Cause they were all like either older and had moved out or were away at school. Yeah. So yeah, I would like hit up my friends and be like, yo, if you guys are playing there, like, and you don't want to go spend money on a hotel room or like sleep at a Walmart, like you can come stay at my house and that, you know, forge a lot of friendships and, uh, yeah. you know, helped out. I mean, I just remember run. being at your house once and like people were playing Wii and you're like, oh yeah, like that's a band. And like, I'm sure now, like <laughs> I, if I were like, I'm sure if I could remember the name of the band, people would be like, you were in the house with, you know, whatever band. Um, but that's, it's cool that like, it's cool when your interest and your, like how you end up wanting to spend your free time end up becoming like what your life becomes. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was like, like, you know, lucky. And it's also one of those things you kind of have to like be careful with where you don't want to run yourself into the ground and end up like, this was this thing that I grew up loving and like really caring about. And like, you don't want to end up hating it so much because you're like burnt out. Um, yeah. and like, I feel like that happens with comedians too, where they like tore themselves into the ground, Absolutely. which is, you know, maybe good. Cause it makes for like better jokes in the long run. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, things kind of just like snowballed and, and one thing kind of followed the next and it worked out really well. And then now, um, so then, yeah, after joining the movie life, we were doing a tour and there was a girl named Caitlin who was our tour manager on the first like full us that we were doing. Uh, she's actually from Long Island, but she had moved to California and like, I didn't know her. Um, but the band knew her and she was our tour manager for that tour. And she ended up, she was also the manager at the time of this band called saves the day, which was like, again, another band that I just grew up loving. And, mm-hmm. um, and like through 20 together, she found out that like, I was a huge saves the day fan. And then a couple months after that tour ended, she hit me up like, Hey, do you want a guitar tech for saves the day? And I was like, yeah, uh, that would be great. So like, again, it's just like, you know, being lucky enough to have people keep you in mind and, you know, give you a call when something like that pops up. Yeah. I mean, that's like, and you can't, (laughs) it's a thing you can't do unless you're like showing up and enjoying the, unless you enjoy selling merch and running around and sleeping in a van. Yeah. Right. Like you get those opportunities because you enjoy the whole, the whole of it, not just like the the glory parts of it, it sounds like. Yeah, but then it's also nice too, because then I can like extend that favor to other friends of mine where it's like, oh, the band that I'm guitar taking for needs a merch guy or needs someone to like do sound. Like I'll be like, oh, I actually know a guy who's like a great hang, really good at his job. Like I'll, you know, I'll shoot out a group text and be like, hey, do any of you guys, are you any of you not touring at this time and like want to come do this? Yeah, being vouched for, I mean, like there's no greater currency yeah. And like having a, a reputation as somebody who's like reliable and like fun to hang out with. Like that's like most of the job. It seems like even with comedy too, it's like, you're not going to, there are funny people that like, I'm sure would be great openers that people are like, I don't want to hang out with that guy. He's like an yeah. insane person. And it's funny. Cause like, that's huge too. It's like being good at your job is certainly important, but like probably more so than that is just like not being a dick or like not being someone that people don't want to be around. Cause like mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll get these calls to like, sometimes I'll do one-offs for bands that I have no business working for. Cause again, sure. like, um, I can work on instruments to a degree, but I'm not like a luthier. I'm not like, I don't claim to be the world's best guitar tech by any means, but like, mm-hmm. because the bands that I work for, I've been with for long enough. I kind of know how they work and like what their individual needs are. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'll get a call for a job and I'll be like, Hey, like I'm down, but just so you know, like I might not be the caliber of person you need. And like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'll be the first to admit it. Cause I, the thing that I would hate to do is accept a job and show up 
and fuck it up after somebody had vouched for me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the times they're like, oh, dude, like it's not as you know involved as you probably think it is. And, and usually yeah. it ends up being fine. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of it is just like people are like, oh, I just like hanging out with that person. And um, if I'm going to be in a bus for or a van for six weeks mm-hmm. next to that person, like you certainly don't want to be someone who's going to get on your nerves every day. Yeah. No, absolutely. That makes, that makes a ton of sense. Um, so I have two questions. We can diverge in two, in two paths. One yeah. is like, I want to go way back to like you being a kid that likes music and then eventually I want to get back to ranger school. So okay. as a kid, you have all these old, you're the youngest of how many Regans Five. are there? Five Regans. And so you have all these older siblings who are like into music, but not, I mean, like your one brother, Mike, like I played basketball with, like, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know him from a musical scene. How did you, what was like, what are your like gateway bands to get into this? Cause you're like the um, stuff that you love is like pretty niche in like the scope of like, it's not, not all the bands you play for, like you're going to hear in Walmart. No, and, you know, it's not uh, Jason Mraz. I would say it was mostly my one brother, Brian, who was like mm-hmm. sort of the gateway because he had some friends. He went to Regis um, and right. I guess he had some friends at Regis that were from Rockwell Center uh, and they played in a band at the time called Show Me Action. And I think that like there was one weekend where he was supposed to be like watching me uh, and his friends who were playing that band were like, one of their friends was having like a going away party before everyone went away to college. And then also uh, show me action was like playing a show in Rockwell center. Um, mm-hmm. So my brother was like, Hey, I know that we're supposed to be home and I'm supposed to be like watching you, but I also really want to go and like hang out with my friends. So I'm just going to yeah. like, bring you with me. Um, hold on. Sorry. One second. No, you're good. Uh, Lila, what are you doing? Sorry. My dog's like, come here. You want me to hold you? Come here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So he brings me to the show. And like at that point, you know, we had gone on, family trips or whatever, where I had like stolen his Walkman and like listened to a couple Blink-182 records and like, you know, kind of gotten a taste for that sort of stuff. But I was also like, I had a weird switch from between like elementary school and middle school where I was like really into like ska bands, but also like heavy metal bands and didn't really know what I liked yet. But Mm -hmm. um, pop punk seems to be like a place between those two things. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty happy medium. Yeah, where you get like the nice melodies that you might hear in a pop so- or in a ska song, and it's also like there's some heavier elements to it. When I think like Megadeth or something like that, your music for me at least on my spectrum of like what you guys are up to is somewhere. Yeah, I'm it making, falls kind I'm, of in the middle. I'm, where I'm it's making like... a spectrum with my hands for an audio <laughs> podcast, but like somewhere in the middle. Yeah, so I didn't really know what I liked yet, but I knew that like you know that stuff interested me to a degree, and so yeah, yeah. he brought me to this show, and like it was you know, this band where all of their friends loved the band and like they were playing in their hometown before everyone went away to college. And it was just like mayhem. Like people were having the best time of their lives. And I was like, you know, whatever I was 12 or 13, just watching, like, what is this? Like what's going on here? Yeah. Um, and after that, I was like, I was completely hooked. Um, and my brother sort of like, you know, he didn't really keep up with the music scene and everything. He went away to school and his friends went away to school. And um, I was just going to as many shows as I could after that. I was, yeah. uh, it was at the Vibe Lounge was the name of the club in Rockwell Center. And I would basically I remember, just like, I remember that name. Yeah. yeah. I would just keep up with their like schedule. And anytime there was something that like even minimally seemed like it was in my realm, I was like, I'm going to go to that. Um, yeah. So there was the Vibe Lounge and there was the Crazy Donkey in Farmingdale. Those were like the two places that I would kind of go mm-hmm. back and forth between um and then yeah so at that point again i'm just like finding local bands that i liked and like fuse was a thing at that time i don't remember mm-hmm. fuse like the the tv network yeah yeah so they had a show called steven's untitled rock show 
where they would just like play music videos and like interview bands. Um, oh, okay. And so I would like come home from school every day and just kind of watch that and like see what I liked and what I didn't. And that kind of helped me like form, I guess, a better idea of like my interests. And I remember yeah. my family went on vacation one time. My mom was like, we're going to like a mall. My mom was like, here's $20. Like that's your, your money for the day. Go spend it on whatever you want. And I went into like an FYE, I think at the time, or no, it was like a tower records. And mm-hmm they had a CD, uh, it was by this band called The Matches. Mm-hmm. And I had remembered seeing their music video on like Fuse every day and I loved the song, but it was the only song by them I'd ever heard. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna get this Matches CD. Like this is, I wanna hear, you know, what this band's got going on. Yeah. And then like, just kind of became obsessed with them. And then like, they were playing a bunch of festivals. They played like Bamboozle and like all this stuff that was sort of in the nearby area. And I remember Gina, Bobby's sister at the time, was like huge into some of the bands in that world. So she was going to the festival and um, Bobby's mom was like, oh, well, like Bobby and Chris, if you want to go, like I'll take you guys with Gina and just like she'll watch you for the day. Uh, of course, <laughs> sure she loved was that. not the case. We just like, yeah. she was like, yeah, go do your own thing. Don't die. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just kind of like a, you know, snowball effect of like, I, I just wanted to take in as much of it as I could. Yeah. Um, and all pre-internet. Like, it's not like you sort can, of. I mean, there was like LimeWire and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was mostly like, you know, I guess a mix of what I could find on TV or like a lot of times it was what CDs people were handing out at shows. That was like a big thing back then was after a show yeah. was over, people would stand outside the door and like hand out flyers or CDs. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that actually became like kind of a thing that worked in my favorite too, because I met this girl named Tiff uh, who worked at the crazy donkey at like their front desk. And she kind of just started being like, why is this 14 year old kid here? Like three times a week. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I became friends with her and then it sort of turned into her being like, Hey, if you want to help me like flyer this show, like you can just come to whatever show you want for free. Like, cause I was, again, I didn't have a job and no money. I couldn't keep asking my mom, like, mom, I want to go to another show this week. Yeah. You have like so, a math test tomorrow. Yeah. Like- <laughs> so, so Tiff like became a close friend of mine. And then like, I was just basically living like whenever she would go to work, I would just go and like hang out with her while she was working and then like see whatever bands were playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then, yeah, it's just, I, I guess for a while it was like what you would call local bands or local shows. But like I said, like a lot of those bands that I loved back then, like ended up just, you know, finding their niche and like doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then like, like I said, it was lucky. Like those bands would be like, oh, hey, now that we have like the money to hire a crew, we need people to like work for us. And like, who are the people that we like that we've been around for long enough? Yeah. And like, you know, it just worked out. It was around when we were <laughs> passing out CDs. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, that's cool. It just, it speaks to, I think like a real, you have to have like a natural curiosity at that time, because now, you know, you can discover quote unquote, like a band or a song or something on TikTok and has like 500,000 views. But back then it's like, yeah, like there was stuff that was popular, but there was no like metric on LimeWire of like, oh, if you like, no, yeah, it was like, saves the day, you're going to really love, you know, whatever. Yeah, it was basically, you could type in whatever you want and hope for the best. Like, you might yeah. not even, whatever you click on might not be what you wanted, and it could be something weird and like, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, it, it's cool that like, you can be, that there's such, because it, for me, like on the outside, it, it is such a, like an oddly specific scene where it's like, you're hanging out with these bands that like are not, they're not Blink-182, no. Right. They're not, 
um, headlining massive festivals. They're just like guys that you're going to run into. And, you know, in 10 years, those are the bands that, um, that do tour and do do like massive venues. Um, so it's cool that you got to, uh, like ground up at so many of these places and like, because you were open to it because you didn't fear. I mean, like maybe you feared when you like stopped going to school, like, Oh, like what's going to happen. But like you leaned into like, I'm a free agent. I don't have to do things like the way, like, yeah. And I think that like that helped too, where like, you know, I was kind of one of the people that was just like always down. Like I was always like, yeah, sure. Like I'll, I'll leave for this tour tomorrow. Like whatever. Like I didn't really have anything else going on. So I think just like being available was a huge help. Um, yeah, and I guess also, down. and I was thinking about this when I was listening to like one of your earlier episodes. Um, I think also I went to Catholic school for a while, like when I was younger, and then I only started going to public school in like fourth grade. Mm-hmm. So I went to Stewart for two years. And then when I got to the middle school, that's kind of when I met like the whole Bach to rock crew of people. And like that definitely opened me up to a ton of music I didn't know existed. Um, and I think it's funny, like when you were interviewing Eric, there was just like a lot of like connections where I was like, yeah, like, you know, you said something to the credit of like, Eric, when we were in eighth grade, I felt like you were 40 years old. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny for me. Cause I was like, when I was in sixth grade and I had just met like Eric and Pete, I was like, am I going to know all the stuff those guys know about when I'm in eighth grade? Cause like they just were on such a different level, even when they were like in the eighth grade. And I yeah. still don't think I know about half the shit that they were probably talking about back then. But like, no, no, of course not. <laughs> that, that's so funny because like I, if I felt that in the same grade, if you're two years younger, they must've been like 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. I was always just like, what are, what did those guys have? Like, how do they know all this? And when will yeah. I know it? Um, yeah. But yeah. Like that whole crew just definitely like opened up my world to a lot of different music that I probably never would have gotten mm-hmm. into. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's cool and exciting. Um, I guess I now have a question about like, so you're doing all this stuff with these guys, with these bands from guitar, from guitar teching to bass to second guitar. How are you stretching during these years? Like, how are you stretching your songwriting muscles? And like, what is that like the goal the whole time? Like in the back of your head, or like, Oh, I want to write songs. I want to be in, bands that tour the world uh so it was kind of like i always enjoyed like writing music and you know i had my bands at home and um it kind of wasn't it wasn't like i was using that like experience touring to like further my my own songwriting by any means because especially because a lot of the bands that i was working for or playing for they were music that i liked but it wasn't the style of music that i really write um i think mm. i've always kind of gravitated towards writing like stuff in the lighter, like more alternative kind of world. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of the bands I was playing and working for were like a little bit heavier or faster. Um, Mm -hmm. So it definitely made me like a better musician and more comfortable playing in front of crowds and stuff like that. Cause that was something that I really hated when I started playing music. And like, even to this day, like I'm, I don't love being in front of a crowd of people. Really? Uh, Yeah. I I just like never have guessed that it's not a million years. It's not my thing at all. And like, I love playing music and I love getting to do it, but like, I still like, I have like anxiety and stuff before playing certain shows. And like, I really Really? just don't. And that's kind of like, what's nice about doing the movie life stuff is because those guys, they were like a huge band in like the late nineties, early two thousands. And then when they came back, like, you know, there was all these people who are now like adults that had loved them when they were teenagers who Mm -hmm. were like so excited to get to see them again. And I was just like this random schmuck who like (laughs) happened to be up there playing guitar. Um, So there's like this mix of like half the time people are like, who are you like what you're 15 years younger than everyone else in the band 
yeah. like what what's going on here. Um, but it's nice because I kind of get to like float through like the crowds and like around mm-hmm. like there's certain bands of tortoise where like the people you can't like leave the bus in the morning or like go within like a mile radius of the venue to get coffee without like running into people that want pictures and to like talk to you and like for me i'm just like cool i can like you know play or like go to a show but like go hang out at the venue bar and no one will have any idea who i am yeah um, yeah and then i get to just like go play a show and then like you know that's it. It's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, that anonymity is like a really sacred thing. I think it's really nice, especially like, and it's one of those things I think when I was young that I was like, Oh, it'd be so cool to like be a, you know, a guy in like a big rock band, like whatever. And now that I've like seen actually like how it affects the people that are in those positions, I'm like, thank God I don't have that because it's, mm-hmm. it's not for me at all. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think the same way, you know, like I know comedians now that like, are going to be famous or like are on the very precipice of it. And I have other friends who like work and write on TV shows and like tour and like they have this really nice balance where somebody who's like cool and like in a comedy nerd might recognize them, but they can like go places, you know, yeah. it's not like you're Trevor Noah and suddenly like the whole world wants to like see you. And that I think is a, as you know, you do something that's like, pretty niche in the scale of like again it's not jason mraz and like comedy until <laughs> the last like 10 years was like a pretty niche thing too but now it's expanded and so now there's all these different types of jobs and bands and comedians and shows and um comedy and would you describe yourself as pop punk is that like the umbrella that you follow yeah under? that's like it's and that umbrella has like grown a lot in the last couple of years where it's like there's definitely a lot mm-hmm. of bands that maybe like when they started 10 years ago were like pop punk bands but obviously as you get older like you mature and write more mature music and like, but people are always like, Oh yeah, they're like a pop punk band, but it's like, are they like, sure. How like punk are they? Yeah. Like never goes away, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. But I guess in the same way that like anonymity that you spoke of is like, there was also a really nice contrast there because I would get to go and like, you know, fly to wherever and do like these cool tours. And then I would fly home and immediately like get go from being in like a bus and like having, you know, these nice big venues with green rooms and catering and like whatever else and like getting paid to do this to flying home and getting in the van with like the giants at large guys and going and driving around the States for like a month and like be making no money playing in people's houses, like sleeping at Walmart parking lots, stealing food from gas stations to like, just feed yourself. Like, so there was this really yeah. fun, like, and you know, I, I say, when I say fun, I'm like, I sound like an asshole because for the people yeah. that probably have to just like do that full time, it's not fun. But for me, it was like, it's nice to be able to have that, that life and this life and like sort of get to do that for work and then have like my passion projects when I come home and like, just get to hang out with my friends that I grew up with and go play like small shows yeah. For like, you know, I love to hear that you're, you're doing these like big venue tours and then like, you're also just as content being with giants at large guys, like in bathroom. There's always the like grass is greener kind of thing, but it's like when you're doing one, you're always missing the other. Um, of course. But I was kind of, there was like a, a couple of years span where I was doing both so frequently that it mm. kind of just became like this normal thing where I was like, cool. Like, cause I would book myself, you know, out a couple months and be like, okay, well I can do this tour here. And then once that one's done, I have this month and a half open to do that tour. And like, I would just go from one to the other to the next. And like, um, yeah, but I loved it. I just like loved having that back and forth. Yeah. That's sweet. I love, I love to hear that. That's like 
what you ended up getting into in your twenties. That like makes a lot of sense because we haven't, I mean, you came to one of my comedy shows, but like we haven't had like a real conversation probably in 11 years, something like that. Probably. Yeah. And I have a lot to ask you about. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I've been listening to all the episodes and they're great. Oh, thank you. You you talked to a lot of people about like, Oh, like how did we meet? Like, where do we start off? And I was like, how did Gabe and I meet? And then I remembered it was, I had joined marching band in ninth grade and I don't think that we really knew each other at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but one day during marching band, someone mentioned to you like, oh, Regan like sings in a band. And instantly you were like, oh, you should try out for uh, chamber choir. And I was like, what? Like, no, like, I was like, I can't read music. I, yeah. and I was like, I don't think you understand man. I sing in like a bad ska band, like, like a <laughs> singer. And you were like, oh, no, no, no. You should try for chamber choir. Like, come with me. And I was like, what? <laughs> and literally you instantly walked me into Mr. Ludwig's office. And I'm like, hey, Mr. Ludwig, this is Chris. He wants to try for chamber choir. <laughs> I was like, what the hell, man? Um, and somehow it ended up working out. He thought that I was like good enough to do that. And again, I was like, hey, man, like, I don't really know how to read music that well. Like, I don't know if, if I'm the guy you're looking for. Yeah. Um, but that sparked so much stuff throughout high school. Like I ended up doing vocal jazz and the plays and like all the stuff yeah. that I probably never would have done. Um, yeah. And also funny enough, you introduced me to SNL. Really? You, yeah. Cause oh, remember, that's so funny. You and all the guys would like every Sunday night would get together and like at AJ's house or wherever and like watch SNL every Sunday. And that was just yeah. never a thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I just think about that and I was like, man, Gabe is actually the reason that I ended up doing most of the music that I did in high school. That's dope. That makes me feel really happy. I do not remember that. It does not surprise me that I had that impulse because like you were fun to hang out with. And like when I found out you saying that does make sense. Um, But I'm really glad because like you belonged in those places. It definitely worked out better than I I thought it would. Because like in middle school, I took like electronic music. I wasn't in like band or choir or anything like, and of course, Mm -hmm. electronic music was the only music class where you didn't have to know how to read music. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. like you get to high school and that class doesn't exist anymore. So it's like, if you want to take a music class, you're sort of screwed. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, like we, like those choirs, like, like a big contrast to like the music you were doing, but I mean, I, I feel like I learned, I feel like we were both viewing each other's thing from like a totally different place. Like you brought me to a show and I'm thinking about it from like, like, I'm like, oh, like how do these chords work together? Like, what's like the timbre of that instrument? Like, how are these, like, how are these harmonies working together? And you're like, I'm bringing you to choir. I'm like, yeah, like this is like a little more like buttoned up, like textbook style singing. Oh, yeah. That's so funny. We're like the odd couple. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I think that. Bobby, Bobby and I came to see you in Astoria. Mm-hmm. Like it must have been like up. two years ago or so now. Yeah. So how has that been going? Like, what was I, you guys? I guess were also sort of out of luck throughout the whole pandemic, and some people were doing like Zoom comedy. I don't know if you dove into that world. It seems a little weird. A little bit, a little bit. My buddy Renan, who is great, great, great comedian, past the cellar, like like did James Corden and stuff like that, did a bunch of, he did his solo show. So like mm-hmm. an hour, it was like an hour and a half show. One On Zoom? Like, yeah. And oh so God. I would like, it's so funny. I would like tech that. And like, <laughs> there was like PowerPoint and like music cues. So suddenly I'm like the fucking tech guy. <laughs> I have no experience. <laughs> um, and like afterwards, like I'm like, um, uh, I'm like giving him tags on jokes and like, Oh, try this, like try that. And, um, and he ended up like, you know, through Renan, like I ended up like 
getting some TV packets to like um, submit to shows and stuff like that. So it's oh, just cool. like, it's, it's sort of like the same thing where it's like, yeah, like you hang out with your friend because you love Renan's comedy and like he asks you to help out and like you have conversations and then like other opportunities come and like it has, I haven't had like the big one yet, <laughs> but it's very, it feels very similar to, it's funny, like I'm really praising you for like, oh, you're doing all this dirty work. But like when I think about like me teching Renan's show, I'm like, oh no, I was more than happy to be there. Like that's my happy place. Yeah. Like helping people like figure out language and themes and like whatever it is. So I did a little bit of that. I did a couple Zoom shows, but like just didn't have it in me. Yeah. Um, and now, and then I just like started this podcast and I'm already thinking like, do I want to start another podcast? Like, do I want, like, what else do I feel like I can, where else can I like put my, put my talents and like, what's going to be rewarding to me? Yeah. Um, while also like, you know, when, when is it time to quit my day job and like try to tour, or, like try to get hired on a TV show, like whatever it is. So like, I'm, a, I'm in a little bit of limbo, but in a limbo that like I like and like feels exciting to mm-hmm. me um, because sort of like you said, like I can always go back to school, right? Like I could be a guy, like I'm basically a guy, an underpaid guidance counselor now. <laughs> so like I could go back to school, become a guidance counselor, like work in the department of education. You work 20 years, you get a pension. Yeah. Like my life is set. Like I'm not worried that like I won't have that ability, but also like, you know, I do want to submit to SNL and I do want to um, like tour and feature for comics that I love and stuff like that. So yeah, man, you should. Thanks, man. It's so I funny. Like, I, when you announced the podcast, I was like, I, I don't listen to podcasts. Um, oh, no way. Mainly because, like, I have the hardest time, like, finding ones that I, like, mm. care enough to listen to. And when I get into certain ones that have, like, 400 episodes, like, backlogged, I'm like, I feel like I need to start at, like, episode one and work my way up. Whereas, like, I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of them are, like, you can just pick up where they left off. But I'm always like you know, Oh, I'm not going to get too the many gist of this. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was like, Oh, Gabe's doing a podcast. And it's like probably going to be with a good amount of people that I know. And also like very related to like garden city culture or like just school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's cool. Like I'm going to listen to that. And so, yeah, this is basically like every time I open my Spotify now, I only see your face because <laughs> podcasts are the first thing that show up and yours is the only one that I listen to. So it's just like, there's Gabe again. That's um, so funny. And That's it's funny. So, I'm it, also like, I'm terrible. <laughs> like I love comedy and I have a ton of friends who are super into comedy, but again, like I'm terrible at finding mm-hmm. comics to follow. And I, I feel like there's a difference between, and maybe I'm wrong, but like for comedy and music, whereas like if you find a record you love by a band, you can like put it on in the car or like listen to it over and over again. But with comedy, like people record these specials and then you listen to it once and it's like, okay, that was great. Yeah. But like, I'm not going to go listen to it again. Cause I know the jokes now. Like, so, yeah. you've, so a lot of times when I find these comedians, I like, it's cool. I listen through their catalog and then I'm like, all right, I guess I won't listen to comedy for like a couple months. Yeah. Um, yeah. You and Dino talked about, what was his name? Ah, it's like an Italian, very Italian comedian. Birbiglia? No. Uh, Pepitone. What was it? Oh, Eddie Pepitone. Eddie oh, Pepitone. legend. You guys legend. mentioned his name and I was like, Oh, I'll listen to that. Cause I had my drive home from school. I was like, I need stuff to listen to. Um, uh-huh. so I put on Eddie Pepitone and again, I was like the first couple minutes I was like, Oh, this might be like a little bit outside of my realm of comedic understanding. And like, I don't know if it's a thing in like the music world, but there's like things that are like bands bands. Yes. I don't Eddie know if Pepitone like, is a comics comic. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know if it was like that same thing, but so he's going on like, all right, maybe this isn't for me. And he hits this one joke where he talks about how he, he waves at boats when they go by. And he was like, my dad brought me up and he told me, son, 
you wave at boats. And it was like basically the gist of that. It was like to make people in like higher class standings feel uncomfortable that like they either have to wave back or acknowledge like that they're not going to address this like lesser than person. And it fucking crushed me. That's and ever so since then, funny. I was like, oh, I get this now. Like now this yeah. is comedy that I understand now. Whereas like at the beginning, I was like, I don't know if this is really in I my wave vein. At boats. Uh, but yeah, that's that, a great that joke. Split me in half. Uh, that makes me wow it's you know you start a podcast and you talk to people and then you sort of like forget about it and it really warms my heart that you took a recommendation that we like threw out and it like made your drive better that's that's cool that was great that's awesome he has this great joke that i love about it's like the price is right and they're like spinning the wheel but they're trying to see like what was the price of the iraq war (laughs) like trying to get it to the dollar to the nearest dollar it's so funny yeah (laughs) um i love that i love that um cool regan well god we're we're approaching an hour already oh um do i have so i one more thing i want to tell you is that for years i worked at a summer camp upstate Mm-hmm. for kids that had illnesses and um it was really a, like a meaningful part of my my 20s and it's like a big part of who i am and the best week i ever had at summer camp was session six 2015 when we had these boys that just like wanted to play guitar and they like liked guitar and like i had my guitar with me so i would like play some chords and they would be like oh try this song and i would you know play the chords or whatever and there was like four or five like really gregarious kids and then there was like like seven or eight, like sort of quiet kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm playing through the songs I can play, right? I'm playing through like Beatles songs, Coldplay got requested. And then finally I'm like, oh, you know what? I know this song by Man Overboard. (laughs) Love your friends and die laughing. It's three chords. So I start playing it. And the kids just like, like a moth to a flame, just like fly over to me around the campfire. And they're like, what is this song? And I'm like, oh, like it's this song. My buddy Regan brought me to the show. It's really cool. And so they start like singing along. They're like passing out lyric sheets and they're like, can we do this at the talent show? No And I'm way. like, yeah, of course. Yeah. So my best week at camp ever, we end up doing a talent show act where like I played guitar and the boys sang Love Your Friends Die Laughing. Dude, that's so cool. Yeah. I have the grainy iPhone 4 video that I'll send you. <laughs> Uh, I'm in like flip flops and like they're kind of quiet at first and then like we just like keep repeating the chorus over and over again um, and it's like one of like the it's one of the most important things that I've ever done in my entire life and it's basically because yeah. you, you brought me to a show oh dude that's so cool yeah how old are yeah. these kids these were this was the beaver cabin so they were 15 and 16 year old boys okay um, and so like the perfect age right like they got to swear on stage in front of like the six year olds like, did they say some like <laughs> questionable things that song probably about like smoking weed and whatever else and i was like yes. are these like nine-year-old kids at camp that you're just like yeah you got it guys like you don't even know what you're singing about <laughs> so yeah we, we made love tonight as a result of a fight like yeah um and like i let them swear i was like who gives a shit like whatever <laughs> you were like the cool camp counselor i was the cool camp counselor yeah. i was like who like it doesn't matter like the kids will forget like these kids will remember and actually two of them um, I'm going to Atlantic City with him like three weeks. And I know yeah. if I bring that up, they're gonna be like, "Yeah, I love that song. Like, that song's killer." That's awesome. Uh, so I just wanted to thank you for that too. It's so funny. We uh, when you don't talk to people for a long time, you um, you remember goofy stuff. I know. I'm glad that that happened. That's so funny. Cool. 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 Um, all right, buddy. So I, as you know, as a listener to, of the podcast, yes. we always end with uh, fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Um, oh, you know what? 
even before we get there, sorry, listeners, I'll, I'll edit that out. The false uh, ending. Um, how did we get to Ranger School? Oh. How did we? So, so how did you? Yeah. So, how did you make the decision? Like, touring's great. I love it. I'm playing in like bands that like my brother showed me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Also, I have this other interest that I eventually want to like. I imagine you want to like settle down in some sense. Yeah. So, uh, how does this happen? So, like I said, like I ended up going to Nassau on like a whim, basically like overnight. I had one yeah. tour booked, and I ended up uh, calling the band and being like, "Hey, I'm gonna actually like drop off this tour because." I'm going back to school and they were like, that's awesome, man. Like, congrats. Yeah. Um, Probably for the first time ever, you're like canceling a tour without another tour to go on. It's funny because it was the first time since graduating. So this is like probably almost eight years. The first time since graduating high school that I ever said no to a tour. Wow. Uh, And I was talking to my buddy afterwards. I was like, oh, I was like, you can say no. I was like, (laughs) this is so weird. I was like, I called my buddy. I was like, yo, I just turned down a tour. He was like, yeah i was like yeah he was like how did it feel i was like it feels kind of good like <laughs> like i didn't know that you could say no and like i never normally would have because i just love doing it but i was like this is so odd like i don't have to do everything that gets thrown my way and like completely yeah. like burn myself out um but yeah so i turned on a tour went to nassau i got the credits whatever and then uh covid hit in like the early winter <laughs> Um, so I'm still at Nassau when COVID hits, mm-hmm. uh, actually, weirdly enough, I was at school that day. And like, I remember people at Nassau were freaking out because Hofstra had gotten shut down, which is like mm-hmm. across the street, but like Nassau was still going to class and they're like, what the hell? Like if they're not coming in, why are we coming in? Like, this is messed up. Private school privilege. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I, I was at Nassau one day and after my like biology class or whatever, I had made friends with a guy who was running the photography lab at Nassau. Um, mm, and I had of been course going, you did. I had just been going in there to like develop film throughout the semester. Yeah. So the film lab there is in the basement of one of the buildings and I'm down there with a couple of kids and this lady comes in at like, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon. She's like, what are you guys doing in here? And we were all like, I was like, well, I'm like developing some film and they're like working on some scans and like do whatever. She was like, no, no, like, why are you here? Like, campus got shut down two hours ago. And we were all like, what? She's like, yeah, like, everyone's gone. Like, it's evacuated. You can't be here. And because we were in the basement of the building, there was, like, no Wi-Fi or phone service. So, like, the email alert went out, like, get off campus right now. And no (laughs) one got it. So we had all been down there, like, blissfully unaware for, like, two hours that the entire place had been evacuated. Um, So, yeah, so after that, all my classes got moved to online. Um, mm-hmm. which was okay for some and not so great for the others. Yeah, um, Certain teachers course. definitely like adapted better. And uh, some of my classes were definitely like, cool, well, uh, here's this like big project that you can work on for the rest of the semester and that'll be your whole grade. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I did that. And then uh, the Ranger School was basically like, hey, we, we graduated last year's class through COVID, through the beginning of the pandemic. Um, But the way that it worked was like, we had to quarantine on campus. And Mm -hmm. they were one of the only schools at the beginning of the pandemic that actually graduated an in-person class, like only schools in the country. Wow. Um, And so because there's only like, there was 55 kids in my class. So it's like a smaller group and Mm -hmm. it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So we're up in the middle of the Adirondacks um, in this town called Wanakino, which is like the best. And I think there's like 40 full-time residents in the town and there's one bar and one like trading post and that's it. So they were like, if you guys are gonna come here, like we're gonna try to make this year work. 
but like just know that it's not going to be a traditional like ranger school year and that once you're here we're going to like take your car keys and you're going to be like if once you're here you're here kind of thing and like you can't have visitors you can't really go anywhere and normally maybe i would have been like ah you know maybe i'll wait a year and like go and it's going to be like the full experience but for me in my head i was just kind of like you know i need to get school done as quickly as possible so that i can like get back to touring whenever touring becomes a thing again yeah yeah so i end up going up there um and yeah it was like 55 of us living in this building like right on a river in the middle of the adirondacks i think the school has like 2500 acres of forest behind it um and i mean it was great it was just you know going this is where like what you talked about earlier was like going from the contrast of living with a bunch of like 40 year old dudes and traveling the world and having like no, no one telling you what to do really. And like, you know, being in a new place every day to living in a like hundred yard long building with 55 people and not being able to go anywhere. And like most of those people are 18 year old kids that have just left home for the first time. It was definitely like a huge curve, Um, but it was awesome. I mean, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Like I learned so much that I never, I kind of also like, I knew that I wanted to do something environmental based, but I didn't really have enough of like experience in that world to be able to say specifically what Mm -hmm. I liked. So I was just like, cool. Ranger school sounds fun. Like I saw the courses and like, they seemed to be sort of stuff that I would like to be into, but like, I definitely went up there not knowing what it was going to be and mm-hmm. just being like hoping for the best and it was just it was awesome like yeah what so this is to be like a, a forest ranger yeah right? and like i'm i'm impressed that you got that right because most people think <laughs> when you say ranger school like 99 percent of people are like oh you're gonna be a park ranger like what national park are you gonna work at mm. and that's not what it is so like forest rangers are like mostly a new york specific thing because there's not any like real national parks in new york state um mm-hmm. so they have the dec forest rangers instead um which sort of do a similar job of like policing forested lands in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a lot of people like all my family are like, Oh my God, park ranger school. Like that's so neat. And I'm like, no, yeah. that's, it's not that like, you know, romantic. Sure. Sure. Cause park ranger, like the parks are like a little bit more curated. Yeah. And I guess if you, I don't know how it works specifically, but if you are a park ranger, I think you have the availability to like bounce around between parks and move to different States. And if you're a, a New York state forest ranger, you have to work in New York state. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. And what are the types of like classes that you're you're getting? Because I don't do well in nature. It's not, it's not that I don't like it. It's that I just like how I was. Ri- My dad told me when I was a kid that camping is a Motel Six with bad air conditioning, and I just sort of like stayed with me. Yeah. And like I like like in college, like I went on like a we 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 camped on an island on Indian Lake, and we had like a spiritual retreat where we, we spent like twelve hours alone, like with our own thoughts. Nice. Like on a solo. So like I do like, I do, I am tempted by nature, but I yeah. am not um, fluent in like 46 peaks language or whatever. So what are the types of like classes that you're taking? So yes, yeah, so there's three different uh, degree programs at the Ranger School. Um, mm-hmm. The main one being forest technology, which is like the school was founded as a forestry school a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. And for like 90 of those years, it was a forestry school. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like a shadow now. I realize the sun's going down. <laughs> yeah, the sun's going down. Yeah. <laughs> um, So yeah, it was like a forestry school, which is like um, basically people that are learning how to like cruise timber and measure forests for profit. And like, here's a forested area based on the species and the size and the quality of these trees. Like how much is this land going to be worth 
when it's harvested for lumber and what is the most ecologically responsible way to harvest that lumber so that that stand of forest is able to regenerate for future generations of harvesting Um, because for a long time like when the national forests were created like clear cutting was a big thing which is they would just cut every tree no -hmm. matter what size or whatever and like but then what that does is it um decreases the like positive genetics that are in that stand of forest because you're getting rid of all the most vigorous trees the trees that have survived yeah so the ones that are the biggest and the best are now gone and aren't able to regenerate that forest so over time it just gets shittier and shittier yeah Um, cancel culture in the trees yeah pretty much (laughs) so yeah so the forest technology students do a lot of like timber cruising and natural resource like measurements and we took all so i was in the environmental and natural resource conservation um major and Mm -hmm. so you're in those other two majors it's that and land surveying which has like four students in our class that's like traditionally the least taken because it's very intense Mm -hmm. um you have to take all of the like introduction classes for all three majors so i took like intro to surveying um like intro to you know lumber techniques and natural resource measurement and so you learn to run a chainsaw and you learn the proper way to fell a tree and you learn about like one of my courses was insects and disease where you just learn all these different insects and what tree species they impact and how. And, um, and then, so in the second semester is when you go into your like core specific work. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was like, I took wildlife techniques and soil and water and, um, natural resource management, which is like learning how to manage properties. Um, and then a big one is, well, there's dendrology, which is like the identification of tree species based on their, leave and bark characteristics um and then silviculture is the big course in the second semester because uh silviculture is basically using like your knowledge of tree species like dendrology and um like forest management to understand how different species react to a being cut and like what their growth rates are how they react to shade um, or no shade. And like, you're basically learning, like, because you're not going to go into a forest and it's not going to be like, cool, here's a bunch of white pine that are all the same size and same age. And it's like, it's never uniform, you know, like the woods are random. Um, so silviculture is learning how to treat those forests for harvesting so that you can almost like plan and predict what's going to grow there next. Wow. That's, I mean, that's, that's an intense year. I mean, it seems like you just like know a million more things than you did a year ago. Oh my God. Like no question. And it's, so the way the school works is it's four hours of lecture in the morning and then you have lunch for an hour and then you go outside for five hours of outdoor lab work. Jeez. So that's every day. And then like up there, I think like when we moved back for the winter semester, there was like four and a half feet of snow on the ground. Um, and it would be down in like, you know, negative 15 degrees and it'd be like, all right, time to go outside for lab to like measure trees and there's like it's it was a lot more math than i expected and i'm like not a big math guy Uh um Uh because there's all these calculations and things you have to do in order like you can go out and measure an acre of the forest write down all the species and the sizes and the heights um and then you can calculate it to determine like how much of that tree is either going to be like you know not usable like the cull deduction based on Mm -hmm. you know if it had a disease issue or if it's like poor growth um and yeah you're doing a lot of calculations to like determine how much that stand of woods is worth yeah Um, yeah so it was it was a lot it was really cool and it was just like like i said it was so much more than i thought there was to it like i was like oh i just like being outside and i like animals and like you know 
being in nature, but like never really thought about how in depth it really does get. Yeah. That's incredible. And, and I guess my, my biggest question, like my zoom out question is like, where did this impulse to, I mean, you're a kid that's like spent your kid, you're a grown man. You're a person that's spent, I know you're just like 16 in my head, you know, that's fine. Um, I'm sure I'm 18 in your head still probably. Um, but you, you spent like your twenties, like indoors, like in shows in like crowded in like places where people play music. Where does this, desire to be outdoors be in nature like come from and like the follow-through because i know it feels like yeah. oh, it was impulsive my sister got me into it but like also like if you're going out negative 20 degrees like you probably like enjoy it in some way too you know yeah i mean after long enough it's like you kind of you get used to it but i think the the impulse originally must have been like i just always kind of enjoyed nature and that sort of stuff. But I think when we were on tour and we would have days off a lot mm-hmm. of the time, those days off were spent like, cool. Are we near any like national parks that we can go kill the day at? Or like, do you guys want to go mm-hmm. camping instead of like staying in a hotel tonight? Um, so it was like, yeah, like a lot of the downtime touring was spent doing like cool stuff outside. And I kind of just like fell in love with it. And I was like, huh, like I'm on tour and I'm loving that, but I'm also loving doing this other thing like intermittently. Yeah. Um, and I think it just kind of like, like you said, like built up over time because after like long enough of doing the whole being inside a venue every day for like 300 plus days a year, it's kind of like, oh man, it's nice to like get out and get some fresh air and like some quiet time and like alone time in like the woods. And um, yeah, so it's just, there's a good, a good contrast. And like a lot of the guys that I know that tour full time are also like huge hikers or, you know, mm-hmm. they love um, like you know, biking and like, just, I think people need that contrast. Yeah. It's so, it's so funny. Like for me, it was like post-college where I just like learned so much about myself. Cause suddenly I didn't have people telling me where to be. And it was the first time in my life. Cause I was like a little bit more by the book than some. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in Scotland and I was alone and I had to like figure out what I liked and you're what you do when you have nothing to do is really indicative I think of who you are. Yeah. Um, because like for me, like I coped with that by like buying notebooks, going to coffee shops, watching movies, listening to podcasts, like walking around, listening to three hour podcasts, doing my Rubik's cube. Like that's how like <laughs> I like cope with the time. And so like maybe when I'm like two hikes. <laughs> um, and it's interesting to hear, it's interesting to hear like, Oh yeah. In our free time, like we would hike like, yeah, that's probably a good indication of like another thing that's important to you, whether you make it a career or not. in this like capitalist bullshit that we live in is yeah. like not the point. It's just like, Oh, if you enjoy this thing, like, and you're doing it when you could be sleeping in and doing nothing. Um, well, I also, yeah. And I kind of had to toy with that thought um, because like music was this huge passion of mine and then became like a career. Um, there's obviously parts of it where it's like, you know, you can get burnt out and there's parts that I wish were different. And like, you see the behind the scenes aspect, of a lot of things where it like takes a little bit of that away from like the, the child of you that was like, I love this thing just for what it is. And then mm-hmm. you find out that like, there's a lot of shitty parts to it too. Mm-hmm. Um, so Absolutely. I had to be like, Oh man, I really love nature and like going outside. Like, do I want to dive into this as a career or just let it live as this like, kind of thing that I love and don't really know too much about. Cause like, there's mm-hmm. always that risk of, you know, just finding out too much and almost ruining it for yourself in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I talk about that on stage a little bit, but like when I went to, 
uh, sports broadcasting camp and I like hated it really? because my buddy Nick Prevetti and I, we were in like eighth grade and we went to this camp and like, I do a lot of jokes about how like we were all were fat cause it's true. <laughs> and, but I also do like, when I think about that, like I loved sports center. I love like talking sports and like the idea of making it my profession, um, um, like we both were like, Oh no, like, I just want to like be lazy and watch sports. Yeah. Um, and now like sports feel like a really nice part of my life where like the Knicks are on tonight. I'm like, great. I have two hours where I can just like watch the Knicks and text my friends. And like, that's like the perfect, <laughs> it found the perfect like place in my life. It like doesn't need to like take over. Yeah. You don't um, like work at MSG and you're like, fuck, I got to get on the train at like 7 AM and like, yeah. For like Jim Dolan to make money. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, no, you're exactly right. Um, and yeah, that's a delicate calculation, but it seems like even if you don't like, you know, even if you start touring again, like you can always get a job, right. As a forest ranger. Well, so that's, that's the funny part is like, I actually had tours lined up for the fall. Um, oh, yeah. so it's like, I just, you know, went back to school and now I'm like, all right, school's done time to go back to what I was doing before. Like, um, yeah, yeah. but I, I definitely, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to balance that. Um, like probably being like a career environmentalist somehow mm-hmm. with also being able to like tour. Cause I'm not going to, you know, tour 300 days a year forever. Um, I just, like you said, like I eventually want to settle down and, start a family and figure out where I'm going to live like full time. And, um, but yeah, so right now I'm just like doing seasonal work in like the environmental field, because I know that when the fall comes around, like the touring cycle is going to start up again and I'll be able to dive back into that. So yeah, right now I'm like definitely trying to figure out how to work those two things together. Um, but maybe that'll also help where it's like, okay, I'm kind of getting sick of all the bullshit going on in this world. Let me like pop back over there for a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Both places are like not going anywhere. Yeah. And not that I'm going to like do that forever, but it'll be nice to kind of like have a foot in both worlds. Yeah. No, I feel the same way. I mean, like when I think about possibly going to grad school and like, Ooh, do I want to be a counselor? Do I want to just like do therapy and like talk to people? Mm-hmm. Um, that could be fun. You know, I don't think I want to be a teacher anymore. I think it's like, it's like too much performing the idea of like, like, Having done stand up in like 20 minutes is like, that's like a lot of time. You got to like really be prepared. And then I'm like, wow, teaching is just like five 40 minute periods a day where you got to be on your feet, like presenting. Like that's, a, that's exhausting. Yeah. Um, Dude, like the, I mean, you do, what's your like typical set time? Um, In the city, it's usually like 10, 15 minutes is like a big set, but like on the road, it's like 30 minutes, 40 yeah. minutes sometimes. Yeah. I mean, like I think about that where it's like, oh, like we're both like performers, but it, for me, I'm like, I just get up and like play guitar and like, that's it. But like comedy is such an insanely different world. Like just the fact that you're up there, you're just talking to people for like, just like 15 minutes to 30 minutes. And like, you have to hope that it goes well. And like, <laughs> yeah, just that we, part of one of our classes at school is like, it was, a uh, I think it was called like communications and safety. It was where we learned like wildlife first aid and stuff. But also mm-hmm. part of it was like, resume building and learning how to like apply for jobs in the environmental world. And we had to do like a 10 minute talk and it was the worst thing that I think everybody had to do the whole year. We were all like, I have to get up and talk alone for 10 minutes. <laughs> and our teacher was like, yeah, and you can do the talk on whatever you want. Like you get to pick it. It doesn't have to be anything specific, but you have to talk for 10 minutes. And it was mortifying for like, <laughs> I think every single person there. <laughs> So I just think about like, yeah, getting up in front of people and having to talk for like, and like tell jokes. I think that that's so sick that you're able to do that. And like, but I've seen more of it and even more to that, that it goes well. It's like, Oh, sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great when it works is like my, my favorite Muppets joke. Yeah. Um, where, um, 
But like, and like I now identify myself after like being in my twenties for 10 years at this point as like, I'm an introvert. And then like, I spend time by myself so that I can then be extroverted in like a very specific environment. Yeah. Um, but also like, how do you, how do you practice? Cause it's like, are you you're writing these jokes on your own? Are you like trying them out for the first time in front of people, like in Astoria or do you like call your friends over and you're like, yo, I think I've got something. Let me like run it by sometimes you. Sometimes both. Okay. Um, normally like that's where I open mics, like where you just like hit the mic scene and like mm-hmm. those are all but gone now. And I used to host a mic, which was a great way to meet people. Yeah. So um, in, on Thursdays, the show that you do, you're hosting that, but you're not, you're not performing. So there's three co-producers and we take turns like booking a headliner, hosting, or like doing a spot. Um, and so like, those are like three different muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I guess like booking is not like a muscle so much, but like, I guess I, I kind of think of it as, cause I only, you know, you curate your show. You're not going to invite somebody that you think is going to be like bad yeah. or not your scene for a backyard show in Astoria for families for the most part, you know? Yeah. And it's um, funny that just made me think of something else that I wanted to ask you is like, or something I was thinking about about this show rather is that depending on how long you choose to do this podcast for, are you worried about the fact that eventually you're going to like have to just hit up some people that maybe you don't like really know that well, or I feel that gonna, way now. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> shit. Yeah. or I was thinking like, what happens if you do one and like, I was like, what if it's mine? Like, what if you do one and it sucks? And you're like, oh man, now I've got to like either put out this shitty episode that I didn't like or confront (laughs) this person and be like, hey, I think that like maybe I'm not going to air this one. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I really, I trust in my ability to book. It's like a thing that like, I like I believe in and I'm really trying not to book people that, I don't want to talk to. Yeah. But I was going to say, I was like, eventually Gabe's going to run out of classmates. Like, maybe yeah. like you'll just go back to school. Cause you're like, shit, I need new people for the podcast. Like <laughs> that is, that is a true observation and a real thing, but I'm already, I'm already toying with like guest episode like okay. or bonus episode unrelated person. Just like, cool. Oh, I got this person. They're fun. You'll enjoy it. Um, Cause like, I don't have like a million listeners, but like the people that do listen, like are into it which I, I, mean, I yeah. value and appreciate. Yeah. You're one of the six people uh, that this <laughs> podcast is for. Um, but yeah, people are really nice about it and like send me messages and stuff. And nice. um, it's, it's cool to like be in a conversation with someone and they'll be like, Oh yeah, you said this thing on your podcast. And I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't remember, but I'm you're glad like, you heard you it. Enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm amazed that anybody listens to it ever for any reason. Um, but yeah, that's a, that is a concern, but like, I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over it. I, f- I feel like if I just keep trusting my intuition with like, I want to talk to this person, I have questions for them. Um, yeah. Do you think you might good. eventually like have like break into your people in the comedy world? Cause I feel like that's the thing where so. it's like a lot of like, you, you, you know, at least your friends from garden city, like probably don't know a lot of the people from your like comedy life. And I'm sure those people have, you know, cool stories to tell. And absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, the con- it's almost like the comedian interview podcast. Like I, c- it's not that I could do it in my sleep, but like the, the bench is long because every comic wants to do a podcast. Um, and they're fun. And, um, and it's just like nice to like spend the time with another comic, like talking about stuff. Oh yeah. But at this point, like I'm, 
for the time being. And like, I'm very fluid with this idea. It's not like I have like sponsors breathing down my neck. <laughs> like Sushi Oz, not like, Gabe, you need to stick to Garden City. Um, Dude, that'd be a great ad. I know. I, I honestly, like, I kind of want them to just like sponsor the podcast and like have promo code Gabe and just like send me a couple bucks every time somebody orders with. Yeah. <laughs> Get a free code. miso soup with your next yes. order. <laughs> uh, if you don't think I will sell out that way, you are crazy. I cannot wait to sell out for Sushi yeah. or Garden City Bistro or whoever, really. I had Bistro this afternoon. I can't, wait, yeah. I can't wait to get? use your code. Uh, <laughs> I had a shrimp Caesar wrap. The shrimp Caesar, that's that's a good choice. They do a mango barbecue shrimp wrap that's excellent. Yeah, I'm just going to um, start showing up there and be like, Gabe sent me. And they're going to be like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah Gabe. Gabe sent me. <laughs> they're like, sir, what was the name for the order? It's not Gabe? No? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I know there's like the, there's a way to market podcasts where it's like if you have like 10,000 listeners an episode, they'll give you money. But also if you have a really specific idea for a podcast, like you can get somebody to like throw you a couple bucks every time you like use the promo code. So like it's yeah. something I'm looking into. Um, I, look, I, I have this day job and I can't tell if like having a day job causes me to be less ambitious and less risk taking with like I need to monetize right now or if it allows me to like not freak out all the time that like. I don't have health insurance. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I can't, I, I haven't traveled doing the calculation of like, if it's in what ways it's helping me, in what ways it's hurting me. <laughs> um, anyway, Regan, now we've gone real long, but I love it because yeah. I'm, sorry. I have so many questions. I no, like, like, don't get, be sorry. We could do another episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're going to have to, I mean, like everybody, Regan, I want to have you back after you've done a bunch of tours and shit. Yeah, I'd love, um, to, I'd love to do this again, which is great. Um, okay, here are my fill in the blanks. Here we go. The first one is the best part about going back to school is blank. Ooh. Uh, hmm. I wanted to say like sleeping in the same bed every night, but the beds that we had were so awful that like that's <laughs> not it. I guess, you know what, it, it's probably like meeting a new group of friends and like kind of having this new uh you know, sort of like small family of people that I never would have known. Cause that was a big concern of mine going back to school is like, I'm going to be the weird old guy at this school of like 18 year old kids. And like, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm 26, I'm not like old, but I was like, I'm going to yeah. be the guy that are like, Oh man, you're like coming back to school. Like, and I went and there was like a dozen or so people that were either my age or older who like, we all kind of formed this tight knit bond. Oh, um, yeah. So yeah. And like, you know, it's just nice that I now have this group of people that, you know, I can text every day and just shoot the shit with them. Like everybody kind of fell into different worlds with the jobs they got after school. So it's nice to like, keep up with like what everyone's doing. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So that, that'll probably be the one. I love that. Nice little cohort. You always find you. What did I say at the beginning of the pod? You always, you always <laughs> find your way. Well, so um, the school kind of did it for us. I don't want to go on too long here, but like because, <laughs> no, no, please. because of COVID when we moved in, they were like, cool, we're going to have you guys put into three separate houses Mm -hmm. And the houses were based on where you lived in the building. And for the first two weeks to make sure that like nobody had brought COVID with them to school, you could only like interact with, use the same bathrooms as eat at the same time as, and take classes with the people that lived in your like house. Mm -hmm. So I didn't meet like 40 of the kids that I went to school with for the first two weeks. And so there was like 20 of us who were kind of forced to hang out together. So mm -hmm. that like kind of became our group because the school kind of made it that way. Sure, um, sure. But they'll definitely never do that again because it carried on through the whole year where it was like this house loyalty uh, that never went away. It was like Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah. You're, uh, 
proud Ravenclaw. Oh yeah. Um, what's something that you learned in choir that impacted your music life as a touring oh, musician? Huh. It could be nothing. It could just be like, no, it's not, it's not nothing. Um, I mean, maybe how to like, maybe more in like, uh, vocal jazz, mm. how, to, how to like be presentable. Cause I definitely like was just, <laughs> I probably wore like the same t-shirt and jeans and like, you know, didn't look very great. And then I remember we had to like sing at the garden city hotel and Mr. Little was like, Hey, maybe don't wear like, you know, army boots to the, the, Garden City Hotel, like, put on a collared shirt and make yourself look like a decent human being. That's so funny. I'm just remembering. Remember I dressed as you for Halloween? Oh, my God. You did. Yeah, because yeah. I had fake gauges. And I remember, I can't remember who the girl was, but there was one girl who was like, Gabe kind of looks good dressed as <laughs> I remember being like, do I have to, like, change my whole personality now because one girl liked the way I dressed? Dude, I remember uh, it was Miss Parathyris was doing, like, the plays. And her and um, and who was it? I can't remember one of the band teachers was like, you know, with those tattoos and those things in your ears, like you're never going to find like a, oh, McCran. a girl. Oh, McCran. He was like, you're never going to find a, a proper woman to like love you. <laughs> and then years later I like went to, um, I went to Hofstra for one of his concerts uh-huh. and I was like with somebody at the time and he was like, well, good to see you took those things out of your ears. See what happened. Like, <laughs> and I was like, damn it. He was right the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I love that little McCran shout out. Yeah. Um, God, my handwriting is still so bad. <laughs> oh, um, um, just a, a band that you'd want to rec- you would recommend to me you. is blank. Yeah. Hmm. I like nice melodies. Okay. So recently I've been listening to like a ton of fountains of Wayne. Yeah. That's, that's been like the kick that I've been on, but I feel like you probably, maybe know them already so i don't know if that counts i honestly like i know like the hits yeah um, so like stacy's mom was listen. like the hit of course but yeah. that's like not at all a good representation of like the band, the band and how like. good they yeah. are yeah. um so yeah like fountains of wayne and not a surf are probably the two bands that i listen to like the most <laughs> these days how do you spell that n-a-d-a and then surf not a surf Okay, I'll check those out. Yeah. Um, I'll add them to my Spotify where it is also my face on my screen. Um, this hap- We talk about this with everyone. Your uh, touring snack of choice is blank. Oh, shit. Um, hmm. Touring snack of choice. I wish I had a good answer for this. I'm the guy who, like, goes into the gas station, and even though I've been in, like, 500 gas stations in the last couple of years. Like I still never know what I want. Um, <laughs> Have you gone vegan? Are you vegan? Did I read that somewhere? I was vegan for the last four years. And then wow. I tried to keep it up when I went back to school. And if you could imagine like SUNY cafeteria food, yeah, how like bad that is, then imagine the vegan version of that. Um, yeah. So I like couldn't do it anymore when I was up at school, I was getting sick and like you're outside you protein to just like, well, I'm outside every day working for like five hours. So it's, I was literally like, I have no energy. Like I'm getting, it was bad. So I had to kind of stop that. Um, going to try to like hone it in a little bit more now that I'm home and have actual options. Sure. Um, sure. but yeah, so yeah, I don't, I don't have like a go-to snack. I don't think because I'm, mm-hmm. uh, peanut butter pretzels are a good one. Um, peanut butter, talk about another future sponsor for the pod. I feel like people love peanut butter pretzels, man. They're great. <laughs> um, well, 
Regan, that's the episode. We did it. We <laughs> I did got through it. all it my great. questions. Um, thank you so much for doing this, dude. This was really, really fun. Anytime, man. Um, thank you for having me. I uh, I have the pr- I've never done an episode and then released it the next day. So I'm gonna hang up on you, record the intro, post it, do a video. Like I'm gonna do the whole thing literally right now. Um, oh shit! This comes out tomorrow. Yeah, dog. <laughs> nice. I was, uh, oh, dude, that sucks because I was listening. Was it last week? And it was like Glenn. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, at least there's like one person in between Glenn and me so that I don't have to follow up like the nuclear Navy <laughs> engineer. Say that to me. Somebody said that to me also about like, oh, I don't have to follow this person. And I'm like, oh, nobody gives a shit. They're happy to hear you. You live a crazy life too. <laughs> and dude, in my head, I was just like, well, definitely don't want to follow this one up. Cause like, that's a, you know, a guy with a real serious career and like a you know huge brain. And I was you like, at least so there'll funny? be a buffer. He said the exact, who was, who was before? Let me see. I forget my own pot. Who was number nine? Um, <laughs> This is so funny. Mel. Yeah. He was like, Oh, I have to follow Mel. So you were, that's how, that's how I determine people are perfect with a podcast when they're like, Oh, like I can't, I'm surprised he asked. And now I have to follow this person. You're yeah. perfect. Uh, oh, that's great. Damn it. Um, I wish you didn't. tell me. That. <laughs> no, no, no. This was seriously great. This was really, really great. And, um, uh, just send me an MP3 of you singing something and I'll, and the, I'll close the episode with it. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, thanks a lot, brother. This was awesome. I'll talk Dude, to you. Great I'll, to talk I'll to you. Come to a show on, on a Thursday and I'll come see you play when you're doing music again. Yeah. Let me know like what night you're going to be hosting and performing so I can come in. Hell yeah. Sick. Will, nice to see you, man. Thanks, man. You too. Well, that was our episode with the wonderful, talented, smart, kind, funny, interesting Chris Regan, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as promised at the end of the episode, we'll end with Chris singing a song this is a song called songbird and it's killer enjoy (laughs) 